and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 53rd episode of the podcast for the week of May 20th, 2019. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. Our goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to welcome back dear friend and San Diego professional astrologer and herbalist, Lisa Allen, who will join me in a discussion on Gemini season 2019. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me here today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access to the podcast for as little as $1 per month, you can do so over at Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Also, if you'd like to make a one-time donation to this podcast, you are also able to do so via my tip jar, which you can find on the front page of my website over at energeticprinciples.com. So now let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady now is in her waning cycle as we start off the week in the jovial fires of Sagittarius before we move into the practical and the get-to-work sign of Capricorn on Tuesday. She will remain in this down-to-earth energy until ascending into the intellectual air of Aquarius on Thursday. And she's going to float along in this detached zone until moving into the dreamy sensitivity of Pisces on Sunday, and where she will also make her last quarter square, which will close out our week here. So just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, add about eight hours. And if you are in Australia or in the East, add about 17 hours or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. All right, my friends, this week, well, we have the sun moving into Gemini at the very same time that Mercury also moves into Gemini, and we have our superior conjunction between the sun and Mercury, also known as that Kazemi moment. We also have Chiron getting activated this week by the sun, Mercury, and Mars, and uh, warrior Mars now in Cancer is also connecting with our eye-opening planet of Uranus. So let's not waste any time and dive right in. 
On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Sagittarius, and she will square Neptune super early in the morning, probably while we're sleeping, and then make a conjunction to Jupiter when we are awake. (laughs) And so we don't have any aspects perfecting that day. So the bottom line for Monday is, is that we start off the week in an outgoing way, as Luna is still cruising through the optimistic fires of Sagittarius and is heading towards that conjunction with Jupiter around midday. Also, be sure to take note of any dreams that may have come in while you were sleeping the night before because Neptune will be squaring in and providing ripe conditions for the dream world. So just keep that in mind. But basically, we are feeling good, ready for change, and are emotionally aware of where we are headed next, especially with the moon in Sagittarius and conjuncting Jupiter. So on Tuesday, uh, we get a little bit of a shift as the moon, actually we get a couple shifts on Tuesday. So the moon moves into Capricorn and will make an opposition to Mars, a trine to Uranus, and also a trine to Venus. But also note, we have both the Sun and Mercury moving into Gemini. And then, of course, they are meeting in that superior conjunction that I talked about. So let's break this down a bit. Uh, Let's first talk about the the Sun and Gemini in general, which will be there until June 20th. And of course, Lisa and I will be talking about Gemini later in the program while running through some of the configurations that will color this year's uh, jaunt through Gemini. Uh, So we'll save a lot of that for later in the program. But to give a little taste of the basics, our conscious awareness spotlight moves from that fixed earth of Taurus and into the mutable air of Gemini, which is going to help speed up the lines of communication, which will also bring more social considerations to the forefront. And really, there is a lighter kind of vibe to the energy, particularly as Mercury will also be in Gemini for a portion of this transit. Um, And it's likely that ideas and concepts are going to be thrown around for entertainment while uh, maybe there's more advertisements of what was being manifest during Taurus season and will now start to arrive in the public sphere. This is what we, this is when we see what people have been working on and what's going on or we share that with other people as well. So it's a bit lighthearted and at times a little flaky or back and forth because that's just the nature of Gemini and really mutable energy um, in general. It can go, it can vacillate from side to side, uh, which can cause a little flakiness at time. Um, But it's also great for things like fun and games and to maybe uh, have a bit more of a youthful expression uh, in the air, which um, is nice when we have (laughs) uh, heavier considerations that are uh, bogging down the world world at this time. Now, with Mercury also entering Gemini and then conjuncting the Sun, and so just to recap here, uh, Mercury is a planet that brings us news, uh, communications, um, understandings and perceptions, and when we're learning through what is coming in, basically, and kind of a mental component, especially in Gemini, and especially since Mercury uh, is, uh, Gemini is ruled by Mercury, both Gemini and Virgo, but Gemini, of course, being an air sign, takes on more of that mental quality than Virgo would. So uh, here we have the ruler of Gemini entering its own sign, conjuncting the sun, the same time the sun is is coming into this uh, 
uh, area because basically the sun is helping to turn a page or to bring us uh, to a point of awareness or consciousness or to kind of stimulate the life force in some way. And of course, conjunctions are always some sort of new cycle. And really, Mercury and the sun have their particular dance that they do. Um, and so this one being the superior conjunction um, is kind of the, the midway point of the Mercury-Sun uh, cycle. And so I actually consider this to be one heck of a Mercury-Sun conjunction, especially happening on the same day that they both squeak into Gemini. And really, news and information is likely to be flying around at this time, you know, through our phones, our email uh, boxes, you know, all that is going to be lit up. Uh, And this is also a time because when we meet these conjunction points, when Mercury meets the conjunction point of the sun, Mercury is actually moving um, very, very fast. So everything comes in much faster. Gemini is a fast sign in itself, uh, especially ruled by Mercury. So we're talking about a quickness of pace. Um, And all the mercurial events are going to be coming to the conscious surface with that conjunction to the sun. So if you need to make communications or reach out, this is an excellent time to do so. Well, it may also be that our own minds are active in a way that brings in a flood of ideas and possibilities. And it's likely that these, uh, you know, what comes in may actually lie in situations that are already on the scene. And we just have more information that comes in that brings new considerations that help branch off into, uh, you know, possible avenues of exploration for Gemini to, you know, uh, turn the coin and then chew the cut over, basically. Um, Yet it's also possible that the mental avenues that are opening up uh, these possibilities right now are actually brand new and maybe need some protection. The idea needs a protection in order to uh, uh, perhaps carry it out at a later date. But of course, Lisa and I are going to talk more about this transit as well, paired with the Gemini energy. So stay tuned for that for more information. So the bottom line for Tuesday is, is that emotional energy constricts as we as Luna basically is now moving through the sign of Capricorn, and we have more practical and reality-based situations on the forefront, well, at least on the emotional forefront. And so the day may start with a little irritation or a little crabbiness as Luna opposes Mars and Cancer, um, who Mars is also squaring Chiron there. Um, so so the moon will be activating uh, the Chiron transits, which I'm about to speak of in just a moment here. So just keep this in mind for Tuesday. And so we are grounding down the need to shift things up as Luna trines into Uranus and Venus uh, both, you know, because they're sitting close to each other because they just came off a conjunction. And so awareness around our habits in work and also our habits in relationships or just relating in general may get highlighted at this time. So find ways to uh, conserve your precious energy by working smarter, not harder. Uh, For today may actually provide us with the key to that quandary, especially with the moon in Capricorn trying Uranus in Taurus. Now, on Wednesday, the moon is still in Capricorn and will make a sextile to Neptune, a conjunction to Saturn, and a conjunction to Pluto. And also of note, on Wednesday, we have Mars making a sextile to Uranus. And so Mars, uh, you know, is that focused action and what we drive towards, what we put our energy towards and assert ourselves, you know, what direction is that going? Uh, It's also when, you know, we might get a little irritated or ruffled up or a little angry uh, at times. Uh, And now with Mars and Cancer, of course, it takes on that emotional uh, energy there. Um, 
and adds probably a little crabbiness uh, just to our Mars energy over the next couple months. Uh, but with it, speaking to Uranus, which Uranus brings about some sort of awakening, some sort of turnaround, uh, when there is maybe something on the scene that we weren't quite uh, prepared for, or it arrives suddenly, or there's a need for freedom or liberation in some way. And so this, these two being in sextile to each other, of course, we are opening the door to a flowing communication. Um, which can be a good thing or it can be uh, a, a disruptive thing at times, you know, because we are talking about Mars and Uranus here. <laughs> so uh, basically not long after the mind is lit up by that Gemini ingress, um, as I just talked about, and the Sun and Mercury making their conjunction, our action energy, which is Mars now in Cancer, kind of gets a spark of innovation and brilliance from Uranus over in Taurus. And so we may actually intuit ways of action at this time that could lead to a breakthrough, or at the very least help us act further on some of the inclinations we had um, the day prior. And so there is also an originality in the air, and we may desire to protect the projects or elements that are exciting our life in some way, you know, because uh, Uranus stimulates. And so does Mars, because Mars activates. So we are activated and stimulated. So <laughs> whatever we encounter is going to get an extra bit of that juice. Um, and so, you know, and this is also a time when we may be more inclined to act from a place of individuality, uh, especially because Mars is a very individual will type of planet. So is Uranus. It's very rooted in rigid individualism. Um, but, you know, with Mars and Cancer, there will be other people in the mix. That's the thing. As water signs, there's always other people <laughs> getting in your mix. Um, so we have to kind of strike a balance with our own agenda and, you know, those that we care about. And maybe that's where that sex tile comes in. And so the bottom line for Wednesday is, is that we have another day with Luna in the serious get-to-work energy of Capricorn. And the day may go from being a little spaced out at times with that sextile to Neptune uh, earlier in the day to becoming a little more dense and heavy with responsibility or uh, maybe intensifying conditions as Luna makes a conjunction with both Saturn and Pluto. And so it may, and of course the South Node, because we got to remember the South Node is hanging out with uh, both of those heavy hitters. Um, for quite some time now. And so it may feel feel like uh, a little bit conflicting at times, especially as Mars sextiles Uranus, and we may want a little bit of freedom, but practical commitments may not allow for that at this time. And so, like I said in the day prior, find ways to work smarter and not harder, because I think that will help our, um, our flow at this time. So Thursday, Thursday, the moon is still in Capricorn, but we'll uh, move on into Aquarius about mid-morning here on the Pacific coast. And along the way, she will trine the sun, square Uranus, and then trine Mercury. And so a few things are happening of note that day. We have Mercury making a sextile to Chiron, and we also have Mars making a square to Chiron on the very same day. And so we already established that Mercury uh, is that communication, that uh, information, that learning function. Uh, sextiles are opening doors. You know, the energy is flowing. And so where is Mercury flowing to? Well, that's Chiron. And so basically our... our uh, 
communicative faculties of Mercury, and then our actual energy, which is that Mars, that drive, that motivation, that activating force, are both touching down with Chiron at this time. And so Chiron, you know, is known as the wounded healer, which is a pretty loaded term, but we all gravitate to it no matter what. But I think when Chiron comes up, there's a few things that could possibly come to the surface. Um, Of course, the wounded healer, you know, the idea of the wound and the healer is that there is a trigger and that is the wound that needs to be healed. And sometimes we have to do that through feeling through it um, and then learning the wisdom through the experience. And so that it actually brings, Chiron actually brings up healing opportunities for us, but they come in a way that can be a little... um, uh, maybe a harder pill to swallow, or uh, we gain wisdom through having to make painful choices in life, or to experience something that is is quite uncomfortable, or that triggers um, things that are deeply thawed within us, or deeply frozen actually, and are trying to thaw out, and so. These two together, you know, keep in mind, we had Mars got a push from Uranus the day before, and then Mercury um, is also ready to open up with its new understanding because it just made a conjunction to the sun and it's cruising at fast speeds in its own sign. But Mercury is also combust, so not everything uh, is in mentally, just saying. (laughs) We might think we know it all, but there are pieces that may be missing. So the midweek actually has some trigger zones to it, um, especially as Mars squares Chiron while that super fast Mercury um, in that combust position is blazing through um, and connecting to the wounded healer as well. You know, because Mercury is sextiling in, so it's acting, it's functioning, it's flowing. But what is it saying? What is it understanding? Is there things that still need to be, um, you know, worked through or, you know, more information needs to come in? So, you know, hence the caveat with the Mars-Uranus sextile, that even though the aspect flows, Mars is also squaring that independent initiative of Chiron and Aries, and that could cause some relational hiccups at this time, um, or just hiccups in general, depending on what it is you encounter. And so Mercury is also uh, sextile and freely speaking, but can also understand what is around it in a way that is more detached and able to view what is being said or thought from a multi-angled perspective. And that is the gift of Gemini. So we can kind of twist it around and detach enough from it that we get some objectivity um, into what it is that we are encountering. And so I have a feeling we will all be learning a lot about ourselves at this point in the week. And if we do have a few triggering moments or painful encounters, we will get understanding via these experiences. So the bottom line for Thursday is that here we have a two-part day where the morning starts out in the heavier energy of Capricorn, but then lightens up around midday as the moon moves into perspective-inducing Aquarius. And we are likely to come to new understandings as we are able to twist ourselves mentally to be able to see things in a new light, particularly as Luna trines into the sun. And so there is still likely to be some restlessness or disruption as Uranus energy squares into the moon, so be aware that we may be detached enough to say just about anything at this time, especially with that trying to combust Mercury. So pull back and communicate intelligently. Our overall rebellious streak is likely to be activated at this time, and we are probably going to see this reflected in the world sphere as well. 
Now, on Friday, the moon is in Aquarius and will make a square to Venus, and so we don't have any aspects perfecting that day. So the bottom line for Friday is, is that Luna is cruising through the social air of Aquarius, and we may start out the day with a few relational or balance-oriented hiccups as that moon squares Venus. You know, we might just feel a little uncomfortable in our own skin or, you know, just things don't come out right, you know, those types of things. We're just a little bit moody. Um, But it's quite possible actually with that activating square that women's issues will be back in the forefront or that women will be speaking up in a big way at this time or someone's going to be speaking up about women. (laughs) Hopefully it's the women. Um, But overall, it's another day where we are looking at the bigger scope of things and entertaining future potentials. Uh, So sharing your unique self with others would be a fantastic way to spend the evening um, because we can actually learn a lot via getting out of our comfort zones and talking to folks of all walks of life. Now, on Saturday, the moon is still in Aquarius and will make a sextile to Jupiter. And we don't have any aspects perfecting that day as well. So we're kind of riding on through on Friday and Saturday here through that, <laughs> that Aquarius energy. But the bottom line for Saturday is, is that we have another day in the friendly, detached vibe of Aquarius, and an early morning sextile to Jupiter is likely to set the day off on the right foot. Um, We might feel like we get out of bed on the right foot on Saturday. And so we're feeling pretty good. We're viewing life objectively, and all the air energy um, that is swirling around is helping us to be social in the world um, with really the freedom to just be yourself within the collective or the groups that you encounter, Um, which is great as this will be the Norwalk weekend. So I hope all us astrologers will be having a good old time as the moon cruises through Aquarius there. And so ideas are abound and this is likely to be a great day for learning, which is also great for an astrological conference. So if you're listening and you're out there and coming uh, this weekend, please say hi to me. I would love to meet you. All right, and so on Sunday, 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 we have, uh, actually the moon moves into Pisces, and we have our last quarter moon phase in Pisces around uh, 9.34 a.m. here on the Pacific Coast. And along the way on Sunday, uh, Luna will sextile Uranus, square the sun, which is our last quarter moon, and then make a trine to Mars. And so two things of note that are happening on Sunday, we have both that last quarter uh, moon at five degrees Pisces that I just spoke of, but we also have the sun making a sextile to Chiron. So we have this kind of Chironic um, uh, timeline this week um, where, of course, the sun is now coming up to give us some understanding there. So let's let's break these things down. So that last quarter in Pisces. So here we have a last quarter moon phase, which is commonly known as the crisis of consciousness. It sounds so serious, doesn't it? (laughs) But really why that is, is this is actually uh, an aspect that happens in the lunar cycle every, you know, every cycle. We experience this every lunar month. And really, it's a it's a point when we get to an emotional tension that may arise within us with whatever it is that we're processing, particularly within whatever sign that it happens, and especially with what area that falls in our charts, you know, or what house and, and stuff. And so 
because we are processing here uh, the tension that may came, come in, rather than taking that friction to the outer world, it's really best that we sit with it internally to help us understand ourselves via that introspection. And so with Pisces, we are likely to be looking at our ideals or where we may not be seeing things clearly or where we have been choosing not to acknowledge the obvious in some way. And it's also possible we are tested with our own compassion to ourselves and others and really the world in its entirety as Pisces is a uh, global-oriented sign. But the bottom line there is that Pisces is sensitive and permeable. So if you're feeling all the emotional bumps in the road, it's really par for the course right now. Yet there is also an intuitive information um, that can come through at this time to help you in your own spiritual understanding of uh, where you are at in your journey and really what you believe life is all about. You know, it's going to pull it back and bring things to a wider, um, more spiritual place. Now, with the sun also in sextile to Chiron, uh, we already said that that sun is brings that vitality, that awareness, that conscious force that you know helps us turn a page. And we have those sextiles. We have a lot of sextiles this week, so you know things are kind of flowing there. We're able to work with this energy, um, and we already know that Chiron brings up those uh, you know healing opportunities, um, but also you know triggers that lead us to the wisdom, or at least hopefully. (laughs) And so I think we actually get more clarity and awareness about some of what was experienced during the midweek transits, um, or perhaps more is brought to light at this time uh, based on what it is we were encountering around Wednesday, Thursday, uh, maybe even Friday. And so we can look for some resolve or even maybe an olive branch uh, at this time, if we're thinking about the compassionate waters of Pisces uh, and the moon being in that relational energy there. Um, And so, especially with that last quarter moon in Pisces uh, and it also trining Mars, um, so we are actually you know, emotionally connected to that Mars energy that was blazing through just a few days earlier. So where Mars made that square to Chiron and had some, um, you know, little hiccups with, you know, wherever the moon was at that time, now last quarter is trining into Mars so it can feel it out and understand it uh, a little better. And maybe why we were motivated to act in the way that we did or why we feel we want to go this direction, you know, all that. So the sun is coming to help, uh, you know, kind of clear up that uh, understanding and maybe even clear up a misunderstanding (laughs) uh, outside of us. So... Uh, the bottom line for Sunday is, is that energy shifts as Luna is now in the sensitive waters of Pisces and experiencing her last quarter square. And so this is a time of going with the flow within whatever it is you encounter, while also taking in the subtlety of information that permeates our impressionability. Because Pisces can, you know, be very permeable and can make quite uh, an impression on us at this time. Um, but keep in mind, energy will be high with that trying to Mars, but not in a four way, but one that is um, is a balance of kind of actively relaxed, perhaps. Um, and so maybe we can act from spirit and in a sensitive and maybe emotive way at this time, particularly in our interactions with others. Um, and I think if we do so, if we come from that sweeter, more soft place, we can add um, a little sweetness to our day through our relations. 
All right, to wrap it all up, uh, you know, the vibe of the cosmos shifts this week as both the sun and Mercury move into Gemini, conjunct each other, and then bring about all the ideas, communications, and social interactions. And so life speeds up, yet there may be some emotional bumps along the road. So go with the flow and find the wisdom and enhanced perspective in all you encounter. All right, so now let's take a look at the cards because they always add another little dimension to the week. Um, And this week I drew the Ten of Wands as the focus and the Three of Pentacles as the grounding. And so with the Ten of Wands as the focus, we may be looking at all that is to do on our plate and the responsibilities and maybe even the potential burdens that we've accrued along the way. Particularly, I'm going to guess, when the moon is in Capricorn midweek. Um, And some may be doing their best to figure out how they are going to make it all work and push it through to the end and, you know, like put that, you know, finishing touches on things, where others may be actually realizing that some of what is being carried needs to be put to rest or to be delegated to another that can carry that weight. And especially if the weight that is being carried is not necessarily your burden to bear, um, you know, that is going to be what is most important at this time. So looking at what we can handle this week in the name of success uh, may be on order. Now, with the Three of Pentacles as the grounding, we are very much focused on our work this week and quite possibly seeing success in what we have put forth thus far. And so teamwork may be highlighted as a group of people um, help to carry out that Ten of Wands to the finish line, like I was saying, or perhaps it's time to actually reallocate the shared amount of work or responsibility within the team so you can kind of see those two working together. And um, if none of those apply to you and you work alone, this could be about bringing your own efforts and craft into the sphere of recognition. Um, and either way, we will be focused on our goals and work this week and how, you know, how are these things coming together and are they coming together and what's it going to take for them to come together? So last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the chimpanzee. Our clever little friend here is reminding us that it may take both our intuition and our intellect to make great strides and solve problems this week. So finding the right balance of working with your gut while actually pairing it with the mind's process uh, will be, you know, the quest of this week. And we may need to turn something over in our minds and our hearts a few times before we actually arrive at that place of resolve or, uh, or finding the answer that it is you know, that we are seeking. So if a nugget of intuition pops up to guide you this week, uh, put it through the filter of the intellect so you may cover all your bases and allow your reasoning process to strengthen and define that raw knowing that the gut provides. And if you are analytically chewing something over at this time, uh, maybe without finding the answers you seek, you know, take a break and do something, um, you know, do something related to your breathing or maybe go for a nice walk. I always find walks help a lot um, because once we remove ourselves from the problem and and start to get ourselves in motions and and like detached from it, we actually um, are likely to intuitively find the answer that we seek. Uh, So if you do find, you know, a little mental burnout this week or, you know, you just can't quite find what it is you're looking for, you know, pull away from it. 
allow that other faculty to come in uh, because I don't know, for me, it just works works every time. <laughs> All right. So now if you would like to go deeper with the energy of the week and how it will interact with you personally, uh, come on over to my Patreon and check out my tarot subscription. For $6 a month, you can get early access to the podcast while also uh, having access to my weekly custom spreads where you can draw your own tarot or oracle cards around chosen placements that are aligned with the astrological energies that I highlight in the podcast. And so last week we worked on the theme of laying firm foundations, and this week we are working on the lines of communication. So if you want to find out more or even check out a freebie spread, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I am so happy to welcome back to the program the fabulous Lisa Allen. Thank you for joining me, Lisa. I am super excited to be back. Thank you. Yes, and so I made a I made a joke uh, last week with Anhalana being my favorite alien. Uh, well, Lisa is my favorite little elf here, and her Yay! sweet her sweet little Gemini rising self there. Uh, as we're going to be talking about the Gemini season um, in this program, and so what better to have uh, well, we're both Gemini representatives, you with that, the rising, right? And the me with yes. the Mars. Um, <laughs> and so just in case you have not uh, met Lisa before on the program, she's been on, I think this is going to be her fourth uh, time on. Uh, Lisa, will you give us a quick little uh, background on yourself? Sure. So I'm Lisa Allen, MH of timingmagic.com, and I'm an astrologer, timing expert, herbalist and Llewellyn author. Yeah. That's just brief. <laughs> it'll, yes. it'll, that's like, that'll cover it for now. <laughs> it'll cover it for now. And if you want to find out more, she's shared on previous episodes and we always have a really good time talking. I think before we've talked on uh, Pluto, we had our Pluto yes. episode. Um, we talked on, I think we talked on Aquarius season. Yes. Actually, yeah, it was Aquarius. Yeah, so I'm back with the air sign again. That's what I was gonna say. I'm like, we seem to be lining up with with yeah. the air quality here. Yeah. Um, but we're a little bit different with Gemini season, uh, and I can't believe it's already here. I mean, I know it's January first, like two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where this year is going. Really, it's flying by. Uh, yeah. And so, and it's only going to get a little faster here because Gemini season, right? Yeah. It's quick. It's going to pick up. Exactly. Yeah. Because Gemini essentially is, as we know, represented by Mercury and Mercury is probably the fastest energy, right? That we have for the most part. Like it's all about the quickness of, (laughs) of that. So, um, so, let's do, so what we're going to do here today is basically uh, kind of outline a little Gemini energy here, but also kind of l- take a look at the season itself for 2019 and what that might be like, because there's actually a lot of uh, significant transits that are taking place during this time period that are kind of like, a, in my mind, and maybe Lisa, you agree, kind of like a, a crux to this year in general. Yeah. Like, yes. Seems yeah, they're be- playing a role, definitely. Yes. So uh, Lisa, what, I mean... What, what's your take on Gemini energy right away? I know you got well. Okay, <laughs> so one of, the, one of the things about Gemini, and especially as it follows in a year, you know, like how it follows the the really 
stable, you know, grounded season of Taurus. And, and it's like where it starts getting quickened. It, it's like everybody's talking, everybody's like busy, everybody's, you know, like it's just activity. It's, yes. um, you know, lots and lots of information, lots and lots of talking, communication, um, you know, places to go, things to do, just like the activity goes crazy usually yeah. in Gemini. Yeah. Uh, getting ready for summer, I guess, because, you know, summer, you know, like that's a whole, like, you know, any kind of um, the seasons that are mutable, like, you know, where I, I call it, or not seasons, but the, the timing where it's a mutable sign, where the sun is in a mutable sign, it is a change of season from spring to summer. In this yeah, case. it's that transition before we have yeah. our solstice or equinox, essentially. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, getting ready for that. And I, and I see Gemini energy that way, like to get ready for the coming of summer. Yeah. It's kind of shifty. It's yes. shifty in some it's ways here. <laughs> and, and, you know, like air signs in general, uh, they really have that social um, quality yes. to it where you're talking things out, you're entertaining possibilities, you're mingling with other people. And so... Yes, of course, we're going to have that <laughs> that yeah. social element. Well, the, and the duality aspect. Yes. Uh, where you actually do need kind of like the opposite yin-yang so that, you know, you, you don't usually do that by yourself. You usually have another part, you know, party involved. And that's a good point about Gemini, because if we're looking at this mutable or what can be twins. Called, <laughs> the twins or a double bodied sign. Or lovers, you, you know, know, if you look at the tarot card. Exactly. Yeah. So we're essentially looking at something, uh, another thing that is helping us maybe bounce between ideas or, um, you know, communications or uh, developing what it is we are thinking or what the plan looks like further. Um, and we can maybe be a little scattered or frazzled at times yes. just because that is the nature of that Gemini. That is the nature of Gemini is to break everything down. But then when it's in pieces, it's all over the place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that <laughs> happens. Yeah. You'll appreciate this, Lisa. I was um, trying to describe to a friend of mine uh, the other night about uh, being the driver of your own chariot, you know, like having your, oh. having your first house, basically, you know, there, there's your, your vessel or the bus. I was, I was saying driving the bus. Who's driving the bus? And so I have a Scorpio rising, you know, that's my bus. But okay. uh, my Mars over in Gemini is driving the bus, right? And from the eighth <laughs> house. So, you know, it can't necessarily see the bus. And so I, I tried to describe that to her. I was like, okay, well, what this is really like is it's like, I'm behind the wheel. Uh, I'm blindfolded. I can't see where I'm going. And I basically have two other people looking on one side of me and then on the other pulling in other directions. And I, until I hit a wall and then that's, <laughs> and uh, it just, and I was being funny and like, but even in that visualization for myself, it actually, I learned a lot about myself in that process. And I was wow. like, no wonder it's- That's you know, ridiculous. So I have a Gemini rising uh -huh. and I have a similar like weird way around, but like still yes, very, you do. very resonant with what you just talked about. So I have Gemini rising and my Mercury is retrograde in Capricorn conjunct Mars in Capricorn. Mm. So- I have a similar 
kind of, you know, the, the Mercury is driving my bus, but Mars is sitting next to him, you know? <laughs> like, and Mercury and Mars in mythology are usually not friends, okay? Mm. Like at least anything I've ever read. And so it can, it can be kind of interesting. <laughs> yes. Well, and so both of us are driving our chariots from that, exactly. that place of where like, we can't really see where we're going either, um, which, you know, that adds a little uh, dimension in life. But what I've noticed about that, especially when you're driving from the eighth house, I might be diverting a little bit here, but I think you're going to resonate with this as well. Yeah. It's actually kind of the, um, it's almost like the experience of, uh, of loss that needs yes. to happen in order for you to be directed to where you need to be. Absolutely. And I have the eighth house too, because it's Capricorn yeah. from Gemini. Exactly. So Exactly. So, yeah. all right. Well, Lisa Definitely. and I commiserate on that. Um, but really, Gemini, you know, another nice thing about Gemini, and, and depending on how we do it, because we said you can be, uh, you know, it, the energy can be a little scattered, a little frazzled. I, you can even hear it in my voice when I get all excited. I'll do, oh, you know. Um, but it also has the ability to, like you said, like those uh, pieces scatter and they're all around you. And so there is that ability to multitask and to maybe uh, take on a lot of different pieces um, that are moving parts, but also being yeah. able to kind of work within them and um, juggle them essentially. Yes. Uh, People that master Gemini energy can definitely multitask and have multiple conversations at the same time. Like, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things that Gemini energy is good for. And one of them also would be to do like looking at different points of view. Like, so, you know, that it doesn't have to be just one way. Like, you know, Sagittarius sometimes can feel like where it, like it's this way because it's a higher, you know, I've done all the, you know, overviewing and whatever. And it's this way, you know, like that belief kind of yeah, thing. more of a where Mercury is like, no, there is a lot of different viewpoints. Here's this viewpoint. Here's this viewpoint. Here's this viewpoint. And that is enough for Gemini. Sometimes just that there's, a, there's different viewpoints and that's all that matters. Virgo cares more about choosing the right one. Okay, but, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but not Gemini. Gemini just likes the idea of the information is out there and just wants to promote you know, different viewpoints. It's, it pokes holes at, you know, the, the status quo in a way mm. and can piss people off sometimes too, you know, doing that. <laughs> yes. So. Well, I'm, I like that you bring up the fact of, um, or like the point of uh, promoting ideas because that's yeah. kind of part of a natural cycle within our Zodiac, you know? So if we're, if Aries is birthing it and Taurus is helping to ground it and manifest it in some way, then we have to share it or get it out there or yes. promote it. Yes. Um, yeah. We're not, we're not making the decision about it. We just want to get the information out there, out there and allow other people to choose how they're going to choose. And a lot of gem and a lot of really strongly Gemini people that I know, they, they often don't make the decision because it feels like, no, my job is just to like tell other people. So no, I'm going to be neutral about that. <laughs> yes. Well, and speaking of information, Lisa, how unique is it that we're going to start Gemini season on the very same day that Mercury meets it uh, in superior conjunction in that Kazemi position at zero degrees Gemini? Yes. And, you know, as we said before, Mercury is representing Gemini. So him, him, her. It, 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 well, it, actually... 
yeah. coming, yeah, it, it's a knit, it, it coming back into its own sign. Um, it seems to me like this Kazemi is going to be rather powerful. What do you, what do you think? I think so too. The, the reason being, and, and people, a lot of people don't understand what a superior conjunction is. So when Mercury is going forward, not retrograde, and it conjuncts the sun, it is going to be in the sun's beams, okay? So it's like behind the sun. So the sun basically is blocking it. That's really what it is. So I could see that there could be a shortage or a short, you know, like a short, a burnout, um, a reboot, um, some kind of like, oops, the communications are kind of wonky for a bit. And then as soon as Mercury comes out of the sun's beams, I think that Mercury will be, you know, doing the communication thing again. It's very interesting to me that it's in Gemini though. (laughs) Yeah. So that like, I feel like that communications could be disrupted is what I feel. And and that means even like the electronics and, you know, the current, okay, because that's something that is a Mercury thing to me also is current and electric current and things like that. So we're talking technology. We, yeah. we may experience some ups and downs in our, te- our communications and also our communications with other people. So it, it wouldn't be a retrograde moment, okay, per se, but, but the fact that Mercury's energy, even though he's in rulership, it's like he's in rulership, it's like, it's your turn, Mercury. You know, you're on the you're on the throne kind of thing, but then he's missing. You know? Yeah, well, and it's interesting you say that because here's here's the thing. And when she say she says when Mercury's under the beams of the sun, and basically that can be on 15 degrees one side, 15 degrees on the other. So it this could. can last a while, a little while. Um, it's gonna last a while. But the thing with the conjunction and when it gets to the heart and when it's known as being in the heart of the king, yes. essentially. So yes. there is that Kazemi moment where we're going to get that clarity, or news is going to come in, or we're going to be able to share with others. But I totally agree, Lisa, on either side of that moment. It's going to be crazy. And, you know, partially I think why that is, is not only is Mercury under um, the beams of the sun, but we got to remember when it meets the sun, that's when it's at its fastest speed too. So we have a fast Mercury in Gemini, who's always fast, uh, meeting the sun, who's going to be speeding up itself, but it's moving at light speeds right now. So it's also just you know <laughs> yes yes and so, it only hangs out with the sun long enough like yes. i guess like you what you were talking about that we get news or an insight or an idea or something solved or you know like when it's in exactly. that exact minute so and but so then people when it's not in that place yeah it's, yeah not so much all over so when is that exact moment well let me tell you so <laughs> So people know. <laughs> yeah, so we um, know. Well, we know that the sun uh, sun is going to move into Gemini actually shortly after midnight here on the Pacific Coast on uh, on the twenty first, which will be Tuesday um, when you probably okay. listen to this. Uh, but the actual Kazemi conjunction itself will happen at six oh seven a.m. here Pacific time, uh, which is nine oh seven over on the East Coast. Um, so we're looking we at an early people so that they get their insight in the morning yes. when they're working. We get it when we're sleeping but maybe wake up. Yeah. Well, you know, and the thing is, is when it is in this, uh, you know, the 
because the Kazemi conjunction in itself uh, can either be like about 17 degrees on either, or sorry, 17 yeah. minutes on either side. And some yeah. people would say, um, uh, Kelly Surtees has argued this point uh, that it's actually yeah. the degree itself. So while, while it's at zero degrees Gemini in, in total, so we can look at Tuesday, I think, of being like that that particular day, but yeah, it's definitely heed what Lisa was saying earlier about the rest of it around it because that's yes. where it gets a little hairy. <laughs> yes, and and it's longer lasting. The, yes, the, the, I could see it being confusing. I could see it being modeled. I could see it being short. Or just too much information, too like you much said, too much. And well, yeah, and just frying. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there, there is a thing as too much. And I think, I think, okay, so this is a good segue into what we're going to talk about next. Yes. Where's the limit? What's too much? Well, the big thing about Gemini season this year in particular <laughs> is that it's going to be activating uh, one of the biggest outer transits this year. And that is that Jupiter Neptune square, which we have Jupiter over in Sagittarius and it's own sign, which is nice, uh, but also squaring, uh, you know, that diffusion fantasy-esque Neptune energy over there in Pisces. And so, of course, our sun in Gemini is going to roll up and make a uh, a T-square with these energies, um, but also make that sun opposition to Jupiter, which happens um, once a year. And so, I mean, Lisa, what are you, what's your first inclinations? Um, just okay, of all so that? The, the too much information stuff that could happen during the Kazemi definitely is going to be even more of a, of a too much information because of Jupiter when it's in opposition or square or other things mm-hmm. usually brings too much energy. And in Sagittarius, it's, it's ruler. I mean, it's going to be like very opinionated, yes. <laughs> okay, very, very belief oriented. Again, yes. like my philosophy is already figured out, you know, I'm right, you know, kind of that like type of energy. And then Neptune being in Pisces, making the square in the middle of the two can add a ton of confusion mm-hmm. and of just waves of, you know, like blur. Okay. So the blur that we're already getting from the Kazemi is going to be like probably just a mess. Okay. With, with the Neptune and everything. And I would not be surprised if that happened again in shorting of the technology and some of the things that we experience usually during Mercury retrogrades. Mm-hmm. Um, this, uh, it's a different force, but it's still, I, I, it could have a similar effect is my, my going. That's yeah. Fine. Well, because I mean, if, if, if we're under that combustion, like we said, and we have so yeah. much like swirling around all that information, then Jupiter's like, oh, you already have this much? Well, let me double and triple that. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then yeah. Neptune's like, what? You want to make sense of things? <laughs> good luck. Yeah. Um, good luck. Good luck there. And so, and, but that's the thing too, is so whenever we're, we're looking at Jupiter there, there is that growth spurt element. So we're, we are going to have these scenarios that Lisa and I are agreeing on here, but there's also uh, just a push at this time as far as where things are going and where we're expanding in our own lives. And that could be a little stopped up at this time or a little confusing, or maybe news comes in and we're unsure. Gemini is weighing both coins, as you said earlier. Yes. Um, And Jupiter's pushing us like, this is the opportunity. Are you going to say yes? Are you going to go for this? Neptune's like, 
like? Uh, does my spirit believe in it? Uh, right. what are all the options? Right. Well, and Neptune can do a good amount of confusion. Like you could fantasize about something yes. um, without, and since Mercury, even though it's in its sign, it's, it's not going to be strong while it's in the sun, sun's beam. So your, your cognitive thinking is not going to be okay. I mean, it's going to, I would say that allow in the information and don't make decisions if possible. Mm. Yeah. Until it's out of the sun's beams and maybe out of the square, you know, the T square and some of the other stuff, because if you can delay this decision, so maybe, maybe what we can do with this time period is just allow in the stuff and just whatever, fill it up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Mercury is taking a break anyway. So maybe not make decisions during that time, if it's at all doable, you know, cause mm-hmm. I know that sometimes you have to make decisions, but if you can delay the decisions, you know, like, and just keep your container not so full and just let the tidal wave come in and just wash whatever it's going to wash. It might, it might be a better way to handle it. And then you just get your cup of water and deal with that for now, mm. you know, yeah, or, well, well, or whatever it is. And you know? so I guess the silver lining to that, Lisa, is by the time we actually get to the Sun-Jupiter opposition and that square with Neptune, Mercury will have moved far enough away to be out from under the beams. Um, uh, at that time, uh, which is nice. And actually, I it's think better, then, it's better that it's not be all cancer. Once, but it does extend the time period though. Yeah. Cause like once it's out of the beams, then it goes into the opposition. Um, so again, it might just extend it. It might be a different influence. Um, you may end up with belief uh, again, like during the, the, um, the information gathering, which is just the Kazemi, um, Mercury, this would be like just, you know, mercurial related more Mm -hmm. than, you know, again, it's strong, but not strong because of the the sign that it's in. And because of of the volatility of Gemini energy, like that we talked about earlier. Um, So then once it gets to uh, where it's making the aspect with Jupiter, what we have to, that's, I think, where we have to watch our, like, we may be called into, like, looking at our belief systems and not just collecting the information. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, we may re-examine that and then, like, hopefully be able to make some decisions that are big decisions. Okay. I know that we have to make some little, you know, some of the little ones during this time. Yeah, we always have to make decisions. There's always, we, that, always we don't get make. out of that by any yeah, means. We won't but, get out of it. But it is interesting, Lisa, like the whole, um, because like we said that we have that Kazemi moment that's happening this week with the sun meeting Mercury and then Mercury speeding ahead of the sun, basically to kind of set up that cycle where now it's on the other side. But Mercury will actually make an opposition to Jupiter before the sun gets there. So we're kind of in this new, like, it's always interesting when Mercury kind of switches, swaps positions with the sun just in general, because uh, it means that you know, our, our logic, our processing, the news that comes in is going to be ahead of our actual awareness or consciousness of what's, we're, you know, because then yeah, the sun wraps and, up and, and is like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> Mercury is moving really fast. Yes. Like at this time. So, and, and in Gemini, it's very like, I mean, I think it'll just rip right through. And so, yeah, so that uh, could be good. <laughs> that could be actually good for the right 
people. Um, and again, if they get the inspiration around, you know, like you said, six in the morning, they may already know what to do, which is awesome. You know, that would be awesome. Then you could like implement that. And then like, if you, if you then say, oh man, maybe I should double check myself. No, probably stay with the decision that you made at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, because yeah, then you're getting the fuzz. Like, you know, you're getting the doubt because one of the things about mm-hmm. Gemini energy. And Neptune. Doubt yourself a lot. Yeah. Well, okay. So I think, I think what I'm pulling out of what you're saying, Lisa, and it might be a good rule of thumb as we go through some of these uh, fast moving, but maybe like tougher or like indecision or confusion type of transits that are going to be kind of coming down the road, maybe like a week, two weeks, up to even three weeks later, um, just based on Mercury's position and the you know, Sun, Jupiter, Neptune action going on is that what we get uh, during that Kazemi moment, like you said, hold on to that. Hold on to that. Let that be kind of like a guiding, you know, post of some sort. Um, And then we can, you know, move forward through the confusion from that understanding in some way, I think. And so... Sis... Oh, say that again, Lisa. I think we're freezing up a little bit here. Okay. I just saw that the internet for me mm-hmm. is wonky. Okay. It says yes. unstable. Yes. I see um, it. Uh, you're probably doing some work out here because it's not like it's stormy in San Diego. So, um, yeah, I hear you now. Your picture's not moving as well. So hopefully yeah. this is recording. Uh, see, this is what you get when you're like, we might have some... <laughs> we might have some interference. Yeah, with, have some uh, interference. yeah, it looks like it may have restabilized because um, I'm not getting the message on the computer anymore. So. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll play it out and I'll ramble yeah, a little bit. It was, we, it was uh, the internet <laughs> connection, literally. It, it actually said, internet is unstable. I'm like, oh, great. Yes, of course, <laughs> I know. This I actually... For talking about Mercury, Kazemi. Yes. Um, and, and then opposite, later, opposite uh, Jupiter and Square Neptune. Yes, so it's, it's giving us a flavor. It's like, okay, ladies, here's what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Enjoy, enjoy. Well, what I was saying, and I don't know if you were able to hear me, Lisa, was I was just reiterating um, how uh, to, like you said, maybe become aware of that piece of information that comes during the Kazemi moment and let that sit with you as we go forward and then we have all these more op. Uh, you know, options coming and we might get a little confused or we're weighing all of the things around what looks good, what do we believe, you know, but hold on to that nugget of richness that maybe came in uh, in that understanding uh, during the Kazemi moment to help guide you through like the rest of the... (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. Perfect. So, all right. So we get... (laughs) We got through that, but, but, you know, to come back to just Gemini energy in general and the fact that it's going to be opposing that Jupiter in Sagittarius and then that Neptune in Pisces, we're still talking about mutable energy. And so to reiterate, once again, this is about shifts, endings, beginnings, you know, that transitional space, that in-between zone, maybe when we vacillate between two states of existence or keep one foot in one world and one in the other. And so there is that in-between type of uh, nature that will be happening for a a lot of, especially the earlier part of uh, Gemini season, I think. Yeah. 
definitely. And um, Gemini and Pisces, especially going back and forth, like that's a, those are the two signs that I would say, like, you know, along with maybe Libra, but there's nothing right now there. But Earth really yeah. descriptive of that. Um, Sagittarius, not as much, but definitely with Gemini and Pisces energy, like the, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, but then, you know, so basically we have all that, we're talking about all this mutable energy, but then we have planets during uh, the Gemini season that are going to, uh, we both have, uh, well, we have Mars now in Cancer. And I know you wanted to talk about some of that, Lisa. Um, Yeah. Well, Venus just went into Taurus too, which has a stabilizing effect, thankfully. Uh, Even, even though it's with Uranus, it'll be, you know, moving past that, you know, fairly soon. Um, by the time that like we air this, I think that it will be not in the danger zone as much. Um, you know, do not. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Our, we're having we're we're having our technical difficulties again here. Uh, Okay, so what I'm going to do, and so we'll have the listeners bear with us as I close this call, and we're going to restart again fresh with our Mars, uh, Mercury, and Cancer theme, Um, and we'll see if we have a little bit of better connection at that point so that we can hear what Lisa has to say. So uh, bear with us for a little bit here, and we'll be right back. All right, and so now we are back after we troubleshooted some of... (laughs) Lisa's yeah. internet. So how funny is it? the gods are like, you talk about me thus so. <laughs> exactly. And says, hmm, well, we'll show you a little bit of what may be happening. Yeah. So it, it, it worked out so fun. And it's always funny when you're doing live things like this too, because you're going to kind of play on, uh, on the spot in the moment, you know, keeping it all. And hey, maybe that's where that Gemini energy comes in nicely because it's like, okay, I'll do this while this is going on. And that's when, you know, like <laughs> feel yes. all out. Yes. So where we basically left off was, I was telling you, Lisa, that, um, that we do have all this Gemini immutable energy going on, but we will also have uh, Mercury and, uh, well, Mars is already in Cancer now, but Mercury will be moving there as well after it gets out of Gemini. And so basically Mercury and Mars will both meet in conjunction in Cancer, trine Neptune, oppose Saturn and Pluto. Uh, and so they're making their own thing for Gemini season. And so, I mean, what were your thoughts on Mars and Cancer? Because I know you had some good things to say. Yeah, well... <laughs> It's interesting because my readings that had come in like literally on the 15th when um, Mars entered into cancer, I literally had my phone exploding with what's going on because so-and-so is mad at me about this. And, you know, sometimes it's man, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What about my, you know, diet and like this and that and the other? Mars and cancer can also resonate with inflammation, Mars and Mm -hmm. cancer, the the stomach and and digestive, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I I had a a whole slew of calls come in um, that were already picking up the energies of Mars and cancer. And it's not even going to be making all of these aspects yet with, you know, conjunct you know, Mercury All later. These heavier it type even, of... <laughs> it won't even be like where it's going to be opposing, you know, 
uh, Pluto and Saturn, the South Node, and conjunct the North Node. Yes, like it's not even doing that. And I'm like, wow, Mars just entered Cancer with a bang. It Mm -hmm. just like my phone just went bam. Like I knew something was going on. Now I know that uh, Venus also entered Taurus the same day, so I did think that maybe like with the Uranus you know, energies that it could have been that too. But everything that I was dealing with was a Mars and Cancer energy. And when I went and looked at the charts, literally Mars was triggering off these same people. So Venus wasn't triggering them. Yeah. So, well, I and it's Mars. Yeah. And well, and as this is happening, and of course, people listening, this this will have already happened. But as the as yeah. Lisa and I are recording this right now, we are waxing towards that full moon in Scorpio. So yes. for a lot of the people that are kind of having some Mars woes as it enters into Cancer, it's also exemplified by the fact that we have a, a, a waxing full moon in Scorpio, which is looking. They to are Mars. they are in mutual reception. Exactly. Or, yeah. And that and they're neither one of them happy in their signs that they're in. So it's kind of like little, you know, bitchy fest a little bit. Oh, okay. So Lisa, I just made the connection of what happened to us right now with our little uh, technological snafu. Okay. Um, Well, and I, and I knew something was going to happen too, because when we scheduled this, I noticed that the time that Lisa and I were going to speak was exactly when the moon was changing from Libra to Scorpio and going to make an opposition to Uranus and Venus. And it's so funny because when we made this time, Lisa, I was I knew in my heart of hearts that there was going to be a teaching moment within that connection. And sure enough, <laughs> look what happened. Right on the money. <laughs> as, as moon enters into Scorpio, and so therefore we have Mars and the moon, which are again, not friends, um, you know, interacting with each other in the way that they do. And yeah, I can yeah. see where that just ended up shorting out everything. Yes. I and so Uranus was like, oh, you're trying to converse? Well, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> hold on here. I've got another agenda. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, we do have that like Mar- that Mars and Cancer energy that is going to be a big part of this particular Gemini season, uh, adding a little of that watery, more emotional flavor to something that would be normally a little more detached and entertaining, like all the ideas that we were talking about yeah. earlier. And so, I mean, what does that look when we pair them together? Like, what, what do you think, Lisa? Well, I've noticed that Mars and Cancer, and um, this can be, yes, it's an emotional Mars. We're not talking about, um, you know, logic when it comes to Mars and Cancer. Um, it's, it's very emotionally driven. It's a strong Mars, but like sometimes for the wrong reasons. Mm. Um, we can get overly attached to our, like, say, our, our family, our tribe, or whatever, and the heck with anything that's right or wrong. Let's not, you know, think about it. It's all about, like, standing up for, you know, our people, mm-hmm. okay? And we're going to drive it into, you know, wherever. So um, the other thing that it can, because cancer rules food and other things, um, if people are like dealing with, um, you know, issues with digestion or issues with dieting, because a lot of people are dieting at this time of the year, um, Mars and Cancer is not going to allow them to uh, be nice if they are like not taking care of their needs. Okay. Um, 
cancer demands, like, you know, the foods and the, and the what have you. So I do notice that there are some people out there that like, if they have some blood sugar stuff, blood sugar, right? Like yeah. <laughs> blood, Mars. Okay. Um, that they need to like really watch their nutrition right now because they, if they are not going to, um, you know, run into some issues with that, it could literally come out as anger because of digestive or, you know, like lack of food or nutrition issues. Oh yeah. Or like the hangry as what you yes, were saying hangry. earlier. Yes. Hangry. Mars and cancer. It's very hangry. Mars and cancer <laughs> equals hangry. Hashtag. <laughs> yes. Well, and it's, you know, I was kind of making the same, uh, well, I was making a joke of it, Lisa, <laughs> with uh, the idea, uh, especially as Venus moved into Taurus, Mars moved into cancer. And I'm like, that is looking like uh, the combination of a, of a gut buster, basically. Yes. Because, you know, Mars, wa- or excuse me, Cancer wants things in its mouth, essentially. Right. <laughs> and know, like and Venus and Taurus is like sugar and yes. you know, some of the other things, uh, sweet, Indulgence. And sensual, like, yeah, I could see where this could be a problem, uh, yes. especially when it's uh, going over Uranus. <laughs> like, yes. Oops. <laughs> so I know. Ooh, oops, I ate too much. Um, yeah. So maybe keep that in mind if you do find yourself with some digestive issues or that stomach is rearing yeah. up um, in some way. It, it probably is wanting you to, I mean, always, if your stomach's having issues, it wants you to look at your diet, but also yeah. look at your stress level. You may want to look at your sugar intake because sugar also like fuels that whole hangry moment, you may want to to like concentrate more on like building blocks of proteins, minerals, these things that like sustain us. And um, I was just thinking about like, if people have a weak Mars in their chart, or if it's being challenged, they may want to add like a Mars type of herb, like nettle or something to their, um, their nutrition. Mm. Yes, it's, it's it works really well. I mean, a lot of people already use a Mars herb every day, and that's coffee, right? Like, oh, but no coffee, wonder I like it so much. <laughs> I, well, hey, you know, I'm not going to tell people to not drink coffee, but what I can say is that coffee is kind of like it does raise you up. But the difference between being raised up by wearing a pair of high heels versus raised up by stepping up on a stage is a little bit different sensation. Mm. One is more stable. So I like to think about Mars um, and cancer and, you know, thinking about like the building blocks of that, like the more stable you can make it, the better. Okay. Mm. So rather than coffee and, and, you know, like, and I'm not saying don't drink coffee, but like give yourself a stage. Okay. (laughs) Drink some nettle too. Um, so no, yeah, I like that. That's uh, I know, I know. <laughs> tell me that, Lisa. Actually, tell me that because I do need to <laughs> drink less coffee. I made. I thought it was so funny. Um, uh, Wade Caves did a webinar on uh, relationship horror. Not too. I much. was there. You were there, and I it, was my, there. I was my. Here. Phoenix, but I was there. <laughs> and you might remember what he was saying because I laughed yeah. my ass off when he was like, yes, yes. Uh, he's like Gemini and, uh, or sorry, Mars and Gemini, just imagine sitting behind a computer just jacked up on coffee. And like, I'm like, you're describing my life right I'm now. Describing you. Um, <laughs> I'm like, ding, ding, ding. That's a, that's a good, uh, I laughed and then I was like, oh, that is me. Maybe I need to switch that <laughs> up a little bit. Trade that back. Well, I'm not going to tell you to stop. 
Okay. However, um, if you add nettle to your routine, okay, mm-hmm. whether, and I would recommend it in the morning um, because it is very energizing, like once it starts, um, but not energizing in the same way coffee. Coffee is like, boom. Yeah. Ding. Okay. Um, nettle is kind of a more slow like it, it builds, but it's, but like a month, like say like even a week in, a month in, like you're feeling stronger and it's real. Like you can mm. like rely on it. Okay. Oh. So it, it can give you some stability with um, handling anger, which that's one of the Mars and Cancer moments that anger can happen because you're not like being logical. You're being emotional. And well, so, mm-hmm. for and people so, that like have that kind of um, you know thing where they're not strong in that energy, they may want to strengthen it with minerals so that at least they they can be calm. Like they may still be emotional about their reasons, but at least it can be done calmly and maybe like without like a lot of rawr and aggro with it. Yeah. Too. Well, and it's so interesting too, because uh, to play off of what you're saying there, because that's the thing with Mars and cancer, because, and one of the reasons why it's considered in its fall there essentially, or doesn't operate as well, because A, it's coming from an emotional standpoint, which as you said, you know, that's like, that's not necessarily Mars's agenda, but Mars is very straightforward, right? It's like, it goes out, it's just like goes after. And so cancer is not so much that it's a sidestep, a crab walk. It's a passive aggressive. And and, and the two energies are frustrating for the person with Mars and cancer. And in fact, I know many people with natal Mars and cancer Interestingly, they are also very lucky people. Like they, like they're the kinds of people that are like, oh, I'm out of energy. Like all the time, I always hear like one of their main complaints is that they have no energy. Mm. Mars and Cancer, it's in fall. Absolutely, you know, it's not. It's not a strong placement. I get it. Um, so they and they and they are also very like you know, I'm going to protect my people. I'm going to protect my tribe. You know, they're very, very protective. Um, I know a lot of people that are like policemen and things like that, that have Mars and cancer. Mm. It's very interesting how like Mars, like, you know, the, the force being like a protective uh, choice, um, you know, military too, also. Yeah, uh, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. Well, Okay, so Lisa, let's throw in the let's let's take our Mar- and keep in mind we're telling we're talking about this all within the framework of Gemini season in general because exactly. even though we're talking about Mars and Cancer, this is actually a flavor of this you know 2019 Gemini season. Yeah. Well, this flavor is going to happen for a couple months because that's about how long yes. Mars lasted in Cancer. Yeah. So this will actually go into Cancer season as well. Yes, exactly. So and why it's, it's the flavor of it. Thank you, Mars. Yes. <laughs> the flavor of it. Then Mercury, okay, and then the sun. So we're, we may as well get used to cancer energy now. And I'm just trying to give people a way to help them stabilize their Mars energy if they don't have like Mars and Capricorn like me, okay, or Mars in a stable like place in their chart because... Otherwise, they're going to feel a little bit riveted. And I think even people with strong Mars may feel even a little bit riveted right now. Yeah. Well, and especially as Mercury, Mars both meet and then oppose 
you know, Saturn and Pluto uh, in that. In, and basically after the new moon in Gemini, which will happen on the 3rd of June, basically from the 3rd of June till the full moon on the 17th, that's a hot spot of just energy of everything that Lisa and I have been talking about um, with the, you know, the sun... Uh, squaring Jupiter, I'm sorry, opposing Jupiter, squaring Neptune, um, and then Mercury and Mars doing this dance from uh, Cancer. Like this is all happening within that first couple weeks after the Gemini new moon. Um, so we'll let that story build when the time comes to it, but we're kind of just prepping you there. But this yeah. week I find it interesting, and I want to hear your take on this, uh, Lisa, what you think about um, now that we have Mars in Cancer, basically is squaring uh, Chiron, this particular week over in Aries. And I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Do you work with Chiron at all? I do. Um, and yes, I realize that, yeah, it's making it an Aries and Aries being ruled by Mars and it's yes. <laughs> a fair sign. Um, Chiron being the wounded healer. So a lot of times um, where Chiron is, is going can literally trigger us by wounding or opening old wounds or literally you know, creating a new wound. I mean, but, mm. you know, usually Chiron is a wound that you're born with and it's reopened again. Yeah. You know, like usually it's that kind of thing. So again, this adds to the vulnerability and thereby the anger expression that can come from Mars being in Cancer mm. because it, it, it has that, that fall of energy like we were talking about. And what'll happen is that because the energy isn't strong into um, what that feels like, it comes out in different ways. It comes out as anger, like to everything. Like it'll, like it'll just be like, I'm mad at everybody. Screw everything, and, and goes away. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or, I know, or what have you. But yeah, one of the things about Chiron, you know, like being an Aries and having that wound energy uh, of you know, and with it being an Aries, I, I'm going to guess that it has something to do with independence, action, mm. you know, all of the kinds of Aries keywords. Or then, just how we even yeah. assert ourselves because like we were, yes. like I was just saying with Mars and Cancer, you know, sometimes it could be sidestepping or, and it causes friction or frustration, like you're saying, because it's not attacking the issue. It's, you know, it's doing so indirectly. It's not. Yes. And then like, therefore it doesn't feel heard too. And then- well, because it's or miscommunicate or heard, like feeling heard, you know whether they're being heard or not. If they're not feeling heard, mm. that's that's the issue. Yes. They could get off the rails. You know, it, it's one of the things that can happen. So, um, you know, that's. I mean, I'd like to you know give the world all nettle and strengthen their Mars so that they <laughs> don't get pushed that far. Okay, but. We, we may not be able to do that. Like maybe we can do like some energy work of nettle helping, you know, like energetically take the edge off, right? Yeah. But, but um, you know, I really do think that uh, the more that we can do to nourish our Mars so that it doesn't feel compromised, like that it feels stronger, you don't need to like force everything. Mm. Um, you don't need to, like you can just stand and say, I'm this, be heard, you know, the, those kinds of things. And, um, you know, like you could still make decisions that are not logical. Okay. Or you can still do action that's not logical because I mean, cancer is about protecting and, you know, like being a feeling 
kind yeah. of person, like to make sure that your family is protected. I mean, again, I think that that's why um, uh, many um, that I've noticed in my own client base, uh, military and or um, the uh, police, you know, like the kinds mm-hmm. of, I guess, Force, <laughs> okay. Yeah, the like, force. Yeah, the, the yeah. force. Well, because um, they're they're part of a team and they're protecting they're the thing that's protecting this protecting. larger thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like it's very interesting. Um, I also see a lot of Mars and Scorpio with, and Doing again, it's thing. it's still a protecting energy. Yeah, it's just used differently, but I see a lot of that. Well, you know what came to my mind, Lisa, when you were talking about this was uh, so I'm thinking about Cancer or Mars and Cancer looking over squaring Chiron and Aries. And of course, Aries is ruled by Mars. So essentially, Chiron is looking over to Mars and Cancer um, from that Aries position. So I'm wondering if maybe part of what comes up here is actually learning a little bit of a softer approach. Um, You know, like, you know, because if it has to listen to where Mars is, right now you know yeah it's in its fall yeah it's doing this but maybe there something about the situation that needs to change is actually tied up in that more emotional nature of mars or maybe that like softer more nurturing you know take coming from it from a more uh you know cancer-like uh, perspective because especially when we have Chiron, like you said earlier, it can bring up maybe painful uh, old things yeah. that are ice within us. I like to also learn, look at it um, when it comes up as triggers, maybe ways that we kind of uh, earn our wisdom in like kind of a hard earned type of way. Like you have like, something that happens. Way to do it. So, um, okay, with Chiron being an Aries, again, Aries, independence, you know, pulling away, you know, going your own path, mm. okay, versus forcefully <laughs> protecting the tribe, protecting the family, okay. Um, maybe, maybe what's happening is that it it will because it's square. Maybe it will be triggering for some folks out there ancestral patterns that no longer work Ooh. because of the Aries pull, like to mm-hmm. be themselves. So maybe there is like we all have. Uh, families, but we but we also have sovereignty of ourselves within the family. So mm-hmm. maybe it's a balancing of you know being involved with the family, but also figuring out your own individuality and standing up to the family, possibly mm. to say, you know, I love you. You guys are awesome, but I need to do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, something like that. Yeah, it is. And you know, listeners out there, as this happens later in the week, um, that when Mars squares Chiron, it's going to be uh, on the 23rd. Um, you know, if things happen to you, reach out, let us know, because this is how us astrologers learn as like what, like what yes. that feels like on the other side, because I'd be, uh, I'd love to know. And especially since Mars is squaring Chiron, but Mercury is making a sextile and so is the sun. So I feel like through this tension of what we're talking about now here, we learn something about ourselves. We are become conscious of something or we have that opportunity to um, really understand our, that Chiron placement, I think within that friction of, you know, the Mars energy that activates. Maybe that's actually an excellent remedy is to speak out and whether it be to speak out to us, like just to say, Hey, I, I noticed this about myself. Like, yes, like we tell us, tell, tell Mel, you know, she's got like her, you know, Instagram, you know, whatever, like it is like, Hey, tell me, 
tell us, but maybe also, again, like telling the folks that need to hear it, like in your yeah. family or, mm-hmm. you know, the, and trust that most of the time, like even if they did bad actions or things like that, I think that it's still most of the time driven by a desire to do good. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think that you need to keep in mind that your family loves you, but you know, the whole smother, the smother mother kind of energy of like, you're going to be identical to some and so in the family, that's not so healthy. Like you have your own, you know, like you, you have your own mission, like you have your own thing and the strength of your family is supposed to help you with that. Mm. Uh, interestingly for a lot of us, I think that the strength of not having family backup is who makes us too. So it might be something like that. And so it's in either case, you need to feel empowered to make your own way. But sometimes it might be that like your physical family isn't your support system. Maybe that is going to be coming through your inner mother, your inner father, your inner authority, your, you know, the inner, like the spiritual piece that you can connect with directly bypass the, you know, physical, uh, expressions of mom and dad who are doing their best for what they have in their toolbox. Okay. Connect, especially to the spiritual aspect of those healthy energies that are archetypally, um, available to us through like intention and, and or prayer or ritual or what have you, there's ver- various ways to do this and do your own kind of inner work that, and that's a very Chiron moment now that I think about it, um, <laughs> Chiron and Aries moment, um, to like feel supported by the universe. So that like, cause there's this idea that we're not supported, and that is that is BS. We're truly supported. We just may or we may be looking for it through outside sources mm-hmm. like our family, and sometimes our family isn't perfect. It's it just happens. Yeah, it's actually more common that it's not perfect than it is I, perfect. I agree with that. Yes, so I agree with that, and yeah. it's okay. And it yes, absolutely. That was a great point, Lisa. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that is definitely a way that this energy can manifest. And a good reminder too, especially as uh, you know, we move past this Chiron energy, and then Mars goes to oppose uh, Saturn and Pluto there. Um, and so we're going to need the you know our actions to align with our own nurturing at that point too. Um, and luckily, Saturn you know opposing there is looking at that authority to some extent. Yeah. These issues. Again, it's about, it'll, it'll probably be another opportunity for breaking, uh, ancestral, you know, or traditional patterns, Mm -hmm. right? Capricorn cancer that, that parent, you know, like I always think of cancer and Capricorn as being the, uh, signs that represent unequal relationships. And I'm talking about somebody being over the other, Okay, so like Venus uh, and and Libra and and Aries, those are like equal relationships. Versus our moon, Saturn, (laughs) our our parents or our bosses or our children or you know. So there's that hierarchy kind of uh, thing happening, and it might be an opportunity for all of us to find our place 
within that by standing our ground, but allowing all of them to have their place also. It's, mm-hmm. it's a balancing. Yes. And we're going to be learning that as uh, we have to go yes. through these oppositions this month, because that's essentially what well, Lisa and, and I the are the North saying. and South Node, they're already traveling in these signs. They're, mm-hmm. they're already <laughs> starting to do that. I know yeah. that. So, so I think we're going to be in for a quite interesting Gemini season, to say the least. I think uh, uh, Austin Kopak was saying on the astrology podcast, he labeled this time as the meat grinder. So take that for what you will. That's <laughs> yeah. pretty accurate. Uh, so we might. Wow, so that, that isn't a Mars and Cancer reference. I don't know what is. I know. Isn't that funny? Yeah. The meat grinder. Um, so wow. not to scare anybody, but you know, we are moving through some, um, some interesting energy, uh, but we can also take from it as well if we're understanding what it is we're navigating through. And so that's why, you know, it's, uh, it's nice yeah. that Lisa and I bring all this stuff up for a little, you know, put those little um, uh, earworms in, in, your, uh, yeah. in your consciousness there. Well, and speaking of herbs, because I did talk about, oddly, only Mars with uh, nettle. Okay, so for Gemini season, how about some lavender, okay, mm. uh, with tea, with breathing it, because at least it's an aromatherapy thing. Yeah. Um, it's very readily available in an aromatherapy way. Um, lavender is ruled by mercury. Oh. So this is a good calming influence. So if it feels too information heavy or like what have you, overwhelm, this may help in the calming way. Yeah, lavender baths. On mm. the brain, it's, um, you know, there's a, I think because of the purple flowers, it's very crown, <laughs> like it's very head. I, I think yeah. it's very effective that way. So um, I know that with me, sometimes I'll put it on my temples or what have you. Um, lavender, in my knowledge, is one of the only oils that you can put on, quote, neat, unquote, which is uh, that it's pure out of the bottle, like without dilution. Mm-hmm. Um, I still even like to dilute mine with just water, actually. Yeah, because otherwise it might be a little strong. Because um. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to accidentally like burn, der- you know, like dermal layers that I can't see or, you know, things like that. So, um, yes. it's, yeah, it's just a good idea. Um, I'm, as an herbalist, I, I like to, I love essential oils and what they are, but um, it's kind of like they make them super concentrated, which is like kind of a drug. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. just want to be careful. Yes, it is good. If you're out there using essential oils, it's good to be educated on some basics, especially certain kinds of oils, because they, like Lisa was saying, you know, they can yeah. like do harm to skin or certain ones you can't ingest and, you know, like That's these right. types of things. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole culture out there that thinks, hey, hey, add oils, you know, like it's better than prescriptions, which I don't know, maybe be true, but um, actually the tea itself would probably be better or the tincture be better because it's, it's in a form that actually is closer to nature and thereby is more effective and gentler on the system. Yeah. Versus this concentration that we're talking about here. Um, So so I like that. Well, or like when you were talking about the lavender, uh, Lisa, I was just thinking, especially with Mars and Cancer, you know, a hot lavender 
bath bomb, you know, like just get in the bathroom. And Epsom salts. Mm. Oh, that's a deliriously wonderful idea. Calming the muscles, mm, because muscles ruled by Mars, Mm -hmm. as well as our nerves ruled by Mercury, right? Yeah. See, we're we're going somewhere here. We're going Um, somewhere. This could be a good thing. Yes. Lavender and uh, and nettle. Yes. Yes. Lavender (laughs) and nettle. So definitely get yourself some nettle. uh, nettle And and if it's more of an essential oil thing for you guys that are out there that you want a good Mars oil, basil is a good one. Mm. It's, it's like, I mean, some people can smell basil and it wakes them up like a cup of coffee. So if oh. you want the awareness back in, you can just do that. But I like nettle because it's so physically nourishing. It's hard to go wrong with it. Um, and I like how it tastes like spinach. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's kind I of like, like a wild little thing, you know, I like, I like it. Um, it's, I guess I've just grown to, you know, like that, but yes. Um, well, so like helps if people don't earth. like the tea, like <laughs> they say, oh my gosh, I want to do nettle tea and they don't really care for that really heavy green taste. I recommend putting a little bit of pink salt in it versus like, or like some, you know, like amino acids, you know, like, so it's a salty taste versus the sweetias or sugars because those don't work in nettle. They make them taste. Blah. Don't yeah. do it. <laughs> don't add your Venus to the Mars. Do not add Venus to Mars. Mars likes a little salty. So you want- right, add Saturn to Mars. Add Saturn. Saturn. The yes. salt. Oh, that's so funny. All right, Lisa. Well, I think we shared some interesting things about Gemini season, especially 2019. um, And also get those lavender, you know. Yeah. Go to to In Harmony Herbs if you are in San Diego um, or if you want to order online. Make sure your sources are really good. Mountain Rose is a good source if you're ordering online. Um, and I know that some people like sell mountain rose or what have you on Amazon. Um, so there's, you know, there's different, there's other different companies that are like, just do your research because a lot of, a lot of herbs online are not like quality. Um, and there, you, you want something that is going to not be old when you get it. Cause that's the most common thing. Sometimes they'll dilute them too. So mm. you don't want that. Yes. Um, yeah. Get, oh. get your herbs from a good source. Yes. Those good herbs. Um, yes. Yeah. So use mercury and all this Gemini energy to suss out which are the best. <laughs> do yeah. Really do that now. Right? Yes. Do that now and then uh, enjoy your sweet uh, lavender baths later there. Yes. With a cup of nettle tea. Um, <laughs> yes. So, yes. all right, Lisa, before we go here, you know, where can people find you? What do you got going on? Um, I'm still writing the timing book, uh, which is going to be designed for timing techniques for people who are already intuitive and they, they get the visions or what have you, but they don't know how to say when it's going to happen. Um, I'm writing a book about that right now for Llewellyn. Mm. And otherwise, I'm still doing occasional readings at timingmagic.com. All right. Perfect. And so we definitely look forward to Lisa's uh, book that will be coming out here in 2020. So keep an ear on the ground or in the sky or however (laughs) we keep uh, abreast of these things. I'm around. You can't, you can find me. It's pretty easy. 
<laughs> so, and of course, I will share this information on my own page, which you can find over at energeticprinciples.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. And I believe you can find Lisa over at Timing Magic, correct? Is that your yep. ID handle? That's my ID for both Twitter and Instagram. Instagram. Uh, and on Facebook, it's Timing Magic with Lisa, but it's easy to find me. Yeah, you'll, you'll get to her um, there. And so I'll have this information there. Um, and also, if you'd like to support the podcast in some way, you can do so by signing up for my Patreon, which is over at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Or you're more than welcome to leave a one-time donation through my tip jar that is over at energeticprinciples.com as well. Um, and of course, I do consult consultations as does Lisa. So if you are interested in looking at your own chart and uh, you know how all these things we talk about might play out for you in particular, you know, that is what we are here for. So feel free to reach out. Um, and if you like what you heard or want to give a people a heads up to what Gemini season 2019 is going to look like, you know, share this podcast with a friend, give it a nice review on iTunes. Um, you know, all these things help to spread the good word and then help both of us uh, be seen further. So we would appreciate you spreading uh, the news. It is Gemini season. Spread the news. <laughs> Very much so. Yes. Thank you. So Lisa, thank you so much again for joining me. You're always a pleasure to have on. Oh, thank you. Um, no. I can't wait till, I mean, it's just so exciting in a way. Yes. <sighs> I know her eyes. Surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to uh, reconvene at another time and we will give a recap to what we encountered. <laughs> Absolutely. Great. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, may the stars be with you.